1: Attention, all Goat Guns enthusiasts!
2: Have you seen what Sarge has released recently? These new models and attachments are sure to excite you. Outfit your desk with these meticulously crafted gun models. Guaranteed to exceed your expectations, or we'll buy them back up to 100 days. Don't miss out on the
3: opportunity to add these stunning pieces to your collection. Visit GoGuns.com now to see
2: our new releases. Coming up on today's show...
3: After what feels like a century, The Tomahawk Show is back and knocking the rust off.
2: We're going to talk Will Ferrell DJing at frat parties, the Natty Hackett Bull heard around the world, and debate if it's time for Bill Belichick to hang up his hoodie.
3: Plus, in honor of the late, great Dick Buckus, we draft the best names in NFL history.
2: All of this and much, much more on the Hall of Fame return of The Tomahawk Show.
3: Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero. should have some.
1: This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it,
2: how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm.
3: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the revampification of the world-famous, Oscar-winning, Hall of Fame-inducted Tomahawk Show. I am your humblest of co-host, Andrew Hawkins, former NFL football player, media personality, uh, stout businessman, All of the above, and I'm also very humble. I should continue to mention that. Joined by another man who is so humble, he makes Mother Teresa look like Terrell Owens. Joe Thomas, Hall of Famer, real Hall of Famer, because most of the accolades I say are fake uh he is in the building Joe how are you doing today man
2: I'm doing great and one of my favorite parts about that open that you do Hawk is watching Juju's face when you say <laughs> some of those things because it's like he can't possibly imagine what the words that are coming out of your mouth mean <laughs> but you say the same thing almost every week and I just love that it's the same it's it's new every single time for Juju and it makes me very happy
3: absolutely 90% of the time it hits every single time that's a great segue to are <laughs> a, a, a distinguished, distinguished guest here, Juju Gotti, ATL shawty, uh from the one and only Meadowlark Media, as well as Fat Nat Three T's. If you're on Twitter, are in the building. How you
1: guys doing today? Pretty good, man. Hey. It's great. Zero WNBA playoffs championship is starting. It's lit. The time has come. Okay, who's gonna win?
3: Real quick, Juju, tell us who's gonna win the WNBA championship this year.
1: Salute to my sister, Sydney Colson.
3: Absolutely. Um,
1: I don't know, man. Be honest.
3: No, don't give me the. I like I, it's, the it's a fair. It's, you know, this might it's, have a it's chance. It's to
1: John Quill Jones. John Quill Jones, it matters. Foul trouble, should get into early foul trouble, aces all day. If she can find a, a way to stay in there and get Sloot Doggy Dog, Courtney Vander Sloot, an opportunity to be a scorer more than a passer, I like the Liberty.
3: All right. So who are you picking? You think it's Liberty? liberty going
1: I, I got a pick before
0: the end of the show.
3: All right. Well, I'm 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 picking the Aces because Sid Colston is part of the family here. Uh, Natalie, who do you think is gonna win?
0: I'm going with the Aces too.
3: All right, two Aces. This all day. Joe, Joe's 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 wife, his better half, um, the one he outkicked his coverage with. Annie, she played basketball at Wisconsin, so I would rather ask her her expert opinion, mm-hmm. but we'll ask you anyway, Joe. Joe, who's gonna win? Yeah.
2: Oh man, you know me, I never miss a WNBA game. Um, in spite of my wife's uh prolific basketball career at Wisconsin. Uh I don't follow it as closely as I should. However, I'm always going with the aces. I love it. I I think uh they look really good. under the basket, getting rebounds and scoring points. And I think that's a, that's a formula for success in uh, in any sport, scoring points and playing
3: defense. You have a long, long future um, as a basketball analyst. The funny thing is that's probably, that's not That is way better than even your NBA analysis. Um,
2: (laughs) That's probably true.
3: Joe's claim to fame is that LeBron James played him in an AAU game and made him turn to football. So, uh, (laughs) all right, I got a a question for you guys before we start to get into some of the uh, Tama headlines here. Does this make me a bad dad, all right? Mm. Or tell me how I should have handled this situation. This is Honesty Hour. So my son, like I said, he's playing tackle football this year. He's here in South Florida where football does does not mess around here, right? So he's in a new area, new place. You know, he loves the game. He comes from, you know, he's a suburb kid. He's just a really nice dude. And now he's down here with, you know, these boys have been playing tackle for a long time. So on the first day of practice, He's out there. The coaches are like, "Oh shoot, we got a little." It's like the, the age old uh, sports movie where the kid moves in from California and he got <laughs> some skills that nobody expected. It, this is all lining up very much that same way, and so one of the kids on the team, who is probably a little threatened by the fact that he's coming in and, and coaches are oohing on over him, he gives him a, a "Where do we get the pads on, bitch?" Right so now, dad's out of town. Dad's not here. You know what I'm saying? And dad, and to be honest, if I'm being completely honest, that was dad when he was 11. That was my move. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I get back and my son is like, OK, this is what happened. I don't. How should I have handled it? And I don't know if I if I gave the right advice, because my advice was you call him a bitch back. And you mm. say, yeah, we will see. How about that, right? And I don't know. Mm. My wife was kind of like, yeah, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. So, Joe, how
2: <laughs> how should I have handled that? And was it the wrong way to go about it? So I actually think this was the right way to do it. Knowing Austin and knowing, like you said, what a nice kid he is, uh-huh. I, I think it's just you trying to encourage him. To come out of his shell a little bit and don't be afraid to push back a little bit yeah because i think that's an important trait to learn as you're growing up as a young boy and you're playing sports and stuff like somebody's going to try to pick on you and take advantage of the fact that you're nice so you're just trying to encourage him to fight back a little bit maybe not like punch him in the mouth but uh you know stand up for yourself a little bit i think if you had a kid maybe like you were when you were a kid, that was probably the wrong reaction because <laughs> you probably would do something stupid. Yeah. But I think with Austin, I think it's perfect. It's exactly how you should have handled it.
3: OK. All right. So that that makes me that makes me feel better because I was told that I shouldn't encourage my kids to stoop to the level of other people and that they probably have things going on in their home life and that you need to be compassionate. and my, And that wasn't that wasn't how I felt about the situation. I told him, hey, you let him know if he wants a problem, you want the same thing. Type of energy, right? Dang. Juju, what do you think, man? Juju, if we're at ATL, when Juju was growing up, and Juju 11-year-old Juju, somebody came, called you the B word, out the blue, how do you handle it?
1: All, I'm from a small town called Waycross, Georgia, where we have more cows than people. I live in the <laughs> town now. Salute to Waycross, I see y'all. Man, it was an important distinction Joe made, though, because he knows your son. So he said, knowing him and knowing that he may need a stiff like, snap back, okay, cool, I understand, but absolutely not, Hawk. Do not tell your children to be calling the B-words back in my, book, <laughs> in my record book. I think you're totally across the line. I think you need to ask your son for forgiveness for giving him such horrible <laughs> advice, because that thing might end up in the wrong place.
3: Dude, oh. I, even beyond that, I was, my, that was like a step back from where I wanted to go. I wanted to be like, hey, when you get there tomorrow, don't ask no questions, just hook off on him to start the practice, like the, oh. like the jail mentality, like you know, you get you get you get locked up, you got to go find the biggest person and just and just How hook off he? on him. He's eleven, he's eleven, oh, so
1: yeah, he's too old to be hooking. Yeah, what it's, you mean? That's not nah age. I think age age two to like seven. You teach you treat them to teach them to be the most biggest gangsters in the world because those things can't hurt nobody. But around age eight, <laughs> you teach him what to do with that strength and figures physical uh prowl. Okay. Whatever.
3: All right. See, Juju always making me feel that Nat, tell me I made the right decision. Tell me Juju. Hey, just you you the made saint. the right decision. Okay. I'm I'm
0: team hawk on this one. All I right. think you definitely made the right decision. I think Austin needs to have that dog in him when he's on the field. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that I'm glad that you told him to stand up for himself in that in that moment.
3: We're all on the same page here. <laughs> Yo. Hey, I, I can't wait till till Joe's son is in this, and I want to I want to see what his reaction is too, because I I I don't think it'll be kumbaya. All right, so let's get into some time of headlines. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Also, check us out on the DraftKings Network Wednesdays at four PM Eastern. Number the headline number one: Will Ferrell. Did you guys see this? Will Ferrell was DJing a frat party at USC over the weekend. Um, And it made, I was wondering, like, do any of these people even know who the hell Will Ferrell is nowadays? And if you were at a party where Will Ferrell was DJing, would you actually stay? Joe, the floor is yours.
2: Yeah, uh, I would actually absolutely stay because I think it would be hilarious. I did see the video. It looked like a pretty sweet party. I mean, uh, you know, any college party when you're almost 40 is like a great one (laughs) to sneak into that's pregame and like hang out with the young people and Feel that energy. Uh, and if you watch the video, I don't know if everybody really knew who Will Ferrell was <laughs> and why he was DJing. Because apparently his son, I think, must go to the frat. So maybe they knew who he was. Maybe he'd hung out before. But they were playing it pretty cool. There weren't a ton of people that were trying to get, like, selfies with him. Everybody was just appreciating the music and the energy that he brought. Um, and so uh, originally I was like, well, maybe they didn't know who he was. But he was just recently in the Barbie movie. So yeah, oh, yeah I'm not the world's biggest Barbie movie fan my kids are and so I guarantee there's a lot of kids uh, at that frat party that loved the Barbie movie that knew who he was and thought it was really cool but also he's probably not as big of a star as he was when we were younger we were kids when he was like one of the biggest names in comedy
3: yeah, I think it was probably more of our generation, which is why all the old people are like, Oh, that's really cool. Will Farrow's there? And all the young people are like, Yeah, nah, we don't care. It sucks getting old, man. <laughs> and it happens so fast. <laughs> and like, even by NFL standards, the first time a player, like what when, when was the first time a player said they they watched you growing up, Joe? That happened uh, while you were in the league.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like year eight or nine. I mean, because if you think about it, if you're in year eight, like you're thirty two or I think I was maybe thirty three. And the the young bucks that are coming in that are rookies, presumably they were like freshmen in high school when you got to the NFL. And so if they were offensive linemen and they were interested in, you know, watching the NFL and watching the Pro Bowl and some of the better players, they probably saw me play. And so it was uh, it was a compliment in, in those days. But now it's getting worse because they're like. Hey, I remember uh, my dad telling me about you playing. Uh, but I was too little to turn the TV on. I'm like, it's starting to feel pretty old now. Oh,
3: it sucks, man. I met Lamar Jackson for the first time a couple of years ago. And I was like, you know, I, I always introduce myself because I never assume anybody knows who I am. It's not like yeah, I was a do 10-time Pro Bowler like Joe Thomas or a Hall of Famer. But I'm like, yo, what's up, man? I'm, I'm Andrew Hawkins Hawk. Good to meet you. He's like, yeah, I know exactly who you are. I used to watch you when I was a kid on Spike TV. Again, my mom, my mom would tape all your uh, reality show, and it was messed up. You lost. He was talking about a reality oh, show no that I went on before I even played in the CFL. Him and his mom mm-hmm. used to watch it together, and I'm like, I feel like the <laughs> oldest piece of shit on planet Earth right now.
2: Does Juju like, know was, about your reality show I don't with know, Earth? I don't with with Earth? Now.
3: <laughs> oh man, he got a lot of belts. Juju, I am basically. Uh, who would I be? I'd, I'd be the probably Clay Aiken of football. Was Clay Aiken the, the, oh, the runner-up? I don't know. Uh, the runner-up. I, I think, maybe. So, Juju, <laughs> I, how I got my start in professional football <laughs> is after college, I didn't get picked yeah. up by anybody. And in order to try to make it to the league, I went on a reality show on Spike TV called Fourth and Long, where Michael Irvin picked 12 people off the street to compete for a chance with the Dallas Cowboys. I was the runner-up. Because they didn't want to pick a 5'7 receiver from a reality show to go to the Cowboys. And because of that, a CFL team saw me, and they signed me, and I played there two years, and then made it to the NFL.
2: So. Damn.
3: Brett you missed Clark. the most
2: important part. <laughs> did you? this was not like, go to training camp, see who's the best. This was like, they were trying to kill them. This was <laughs> Navy SEAL training to see who would survive and the fact that hawk should have won says a lot about his character but it also says like how soft he is now compared to where he used to be, <laughs> be to be able to survive this reality show that was completely built around the model of let's see how many guys we can kill and whoever survives really wants it the most <laughs> and then we'll put him on the practice squad for like two weeks and get rid of them and it's also right, weird no but...
1: wonder you're telling your son to call them whatever you exactly. call exactly i get it now what you
2: okay. want to you do go. i
3: was hungry both figuratively and literally i i i needed i needed the money all right we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back and get into a little run pass option the
1: base. all
3: right welcome back to the tomahawk show let's get into a segment we call run pass option on this segment joe and i read a topic or actually natalie reads a topic for us and she asked us if we want to run with it talk about it or pass on it and move on we each get two 90 second timed opportunities to run with it in one 45-second opportunity to rebuttal a topic that the other ran with. A lot of rules there, and we hardly ever abide by them. Uh, but regardless, it's a lot of fun. So, Natalie, without further ado, get us started.
0: All right, Hawk. Hawk. First one, after completing 36 of 46 passes for 317 yards and three touchdowns in a 34-20 win over the Falcons, Jamar Chase had three touchdowns on Sunday after coming into the week with zero and after letting the world know that he's always fucking open. Hawk, run or pass?
3: Um, I'm going to pass on this one. I do have a take, but okay. I feel like there's going to be other opportunities to go deeper. And I will actually kick it to Joe and give him an opportunity for an extra run if he would like to. Joe, you want to run with this one?
2: Uh, Not really. I mean, <laughs> but here here I'm going to talk about it real quick. Uh, I, I like what the Bengals finally did. You know, give the ball to Jamar Chase, move Joe Burrow around, get some play action shots down the field. And, you know, they look like the same old Bengals. And so I give him a little bit of grace because Burrow was messed up at the beginning of the season and he did not practice at all in training camp. So uh, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> The worst pass ever. All right, Nat, what's next?
0: Okay, Joe, this is for you. In the Natty Hackett Bowl, the Jets beat the Broncos 31-21 after Sean Payton spent all offseason letting the world know how bad of a coach Hackett was. Brees had a career performance, 177 yards rushing, including a 72-yard touchdown that changed the game players were seen saying let's get this for hack in the pregame warm-ups and internet lip readers also said that robert sala told peyton to stay humble in the postgame handshake. handshake <laughs> our pass
2: i'm gonna run with this one i love it because my son he's seven he's the most diehard football guy of all time right now and it's so cool because every sunday what we do is we get home from church and we plant our butts on the couch and we watch all the football games together. And it's the only time that dude sits in the same spot for more than five minutes the whole week. (laughs) And it's really special. But he asked me actually during this game, like, why are you cheering so hard for the jets? Like, why do you care? Because we have fantasy players, but I don't have any of the guys that were really in this game. And I told him and I explained like, this coach, uh, Sean Payton of the Broncos, really disrespected the offensive coordinator for the Jets in the offseason in a way that's unprofessional and that was unprovoked. Like There was no reason that you had to become the head coach of the Broncos and immediately like, shit on the coach that was there for a year or less than a year uh, because he already got his medicine. He got fired. He got booted out of town. Mm-hmm. And all it did was really raise the stakes for what you have to do with these same players. So it was it was a poor decision that was made by Sean Payton. But the fact that these Jets players coalesced around this, you know, win one for the Gipper, win one for Hackett <laughs> type thing was so cool because everybody, it seemed like hated the way that sean payton just disrespected this guy who had just previously gotten fired and clearly the players on the jets love him and the fact that they smoked the broncos ass and that (laughs) robert Salah was able to just wipe sean payton's nose in it after the game made it all that much sweeter and you could feel the passion going into this game listening to the cj uzama's pregame speech where I, I was ready to storm the beaches of Normandy after I heard that thing.
3: <laughs> I, I loved it. I'm going to rebuttal this one uh, because I love it for the same reasons, and I just want to voice that. My favorite part about this is how NFL players will use anything for motivation because it is so hard to care, like, more than what you already do. Everybody cares because you put the amount of work in, but you always need, like, that little extra hump, and to rally around Nathaniel Hackett for this was really cool, but ultimately I do not think the players really care. They just needed something to push them over the top. And it did. And they got the W, and ultimately it made Sean Payton look even more stupid for saying those things in the offseason, Juju.
1: I, I was so happy to see Sean Payton lose. And the way they lose is just so long. <laughs> um, like, dangerous. <laughs> like, Mr. Unlimited. More. Bring it on every week. Must see TV. Denver Broncos every week. Uh, what uh, Joe said is beautiful. I wish I could get that on a shirt Every word you said on a shirt mm. So unintentional. I mean, you, do, you don't have to do that, bro. You didn't have to disrespect that man like that. That man is, a, he, they, like you said, they gave him his medicine. They fired him, they sent him off. They, they What else do you want from him? And then still throw dirt on his name after that. That was beneath everybody involved. So I'm happy to see them folks lose. Ju- the Joe.
3: Juju, the, most, the least disrespectful person on planet Earth. Nat, what do we got next?
0: All right, Hawk. The 76ers visited Deion Sanders in Boulder because for some reason that needed to happen. Coach Prime <laughs> Coach Prime offered some advice on eliminating dysfunction and accountability, telling Joel Embiid specifically, a lot of folks duck that smoke. They just want to be Tarzan on paper. Run or pass.
3: I'm gonna run with it. Uh, and not about anything Dion said, because I believe Dion anything he says. But to the part where who asked for this, that is my favorite part of sports too. Uh <laughs> Because what is Dion telling the the, the Philadelphia 76ers that's going to get him over the hump? Like when we were at the Browns uh together, Joe and I, they would always bring people into practice or there was one specifically, Stepe, who is my guy. He is a UFC fighter. Um, and we were really excited to see him, but Stepe was so nervous he could he could barely talk. But nobody would laugh or think about it because he can kick our ass. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> but it was one of
3: those moments where it was like, yeah, I guess it's more than anything, it's just cool to meet people. Rather than the actual message there's another motivational part of my time with the Browns where Eric Thomas, who was one of literally the best motivational speakers on the planet. I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen or heard the viral videos around him. Well, he came in one week early in 2016 season, and it was such a good speech, man. And we were like, damn, that's really dope. And so they were like, We're gonna bring him in every week. So E.T. was coming every week motivating us, right? And it will work because he's again, he's just super dope. But we were losing every single week and so i really feel like after like week five or six et stopped coming and i think my my theory is that et was like yo this is bad for my brand i can't be motivating you every week and you guys still go out there and lose and so he he just completely stopped showing up after that
2: (laughs) uh Uh, my only rebuttal here to that one hawk is um if you're going to give a rousing pregame speech. And I know Hawk, you get invited back to Toledo all the time and they pay you millions of bucks to give the (laughs) pregame speech. Don't make it so complex and confusing that everyone has to write it down and then read it over three or four different times to figure out what the hell you're (laughs) talking about. Because it took me reading that quote. A lot of folks duck that smoke. They just want to be Tarzan on paper like four times before I actually kind of understood what he was trying to say. And to your first point, like, they're professional basketball players. They probably don't even really get all that excited to go play because it's so routine for them, uh, and so they probably just wanted to meet Dion. And really, whatever he had to say really didn't matter.
3: <laughs> Joe has no idea what "duck that smoke" means, and most of the players on the Sixers had no idea who Tarzan was. It is quite. <laughs> we made nearly, a perfect team. Yeah, we need you guys to be perfect. All right, Nat, what's next?
0: Okay, Joe, after losing 17-10 to the Steelers, the Ravens went from seizing control of the AFC North, according to ESPN, they had over an 80% projected favorite, to falling into first place tie with Pittsburgh. After coming into the season projected to finish last, the Steelers are now the best team in the AFC North. Runner pass.
2: Yeah, I'll run that one. And actually, it's the opposite. I'm glad you asked that because the Steelers are the worst team in the AFC North. Yeah, they have a great defense, but their offense still stinks. And if it weren't for Baltimore just giving them the game, they would have lost that game too. The Browns should have beat them, except for an unbelievable number of self-inflicted wounds and turnovers and the ref stealing the game at the end of that game. Uh, And now that the Bengals are playing good football again, really, it's pretty clear to me that the Steelers are the worst team in the AFC North. I, I'm going to rebuttal, but I'm going to let you rebuttal your own thing,
3: Joe, because you're saying the Steelers are the worst and the Browns lost because of self-inflicted wounds. The Ravens lost because of self-inflicted wounds. Who do you give the nod to more? The team that caused the quote unquote self-inflicted wounds or the teams
2: that are that are doing them? How, how does that make them the worst when those when they force both of those teams to do so? uh so what you're asking is who is going to be the better team by the end of the season who's going to have the better record which looks at the totality of their 17 game schedule which when you have these weird turnovers self-inflicted wounds you can't expect the random unlikely event to happen over and over and over again to get you to where you need to be to win the division like there's going to be a reversion to the mean and my whole point is that the teams that they've beaten thus far have done uncharacteristic, unlikely, uncommon mistakes that they're not just going to see and be the benefactors of these mistakes the rest of the season. And so while it worked in these specific instances, when you look at 17 games, you're going to see much more of an average And they're not going to be able to be fortunate enough to have four or five turnovers in every single game and have these easy field positions because they're often still can't run the ball. They can't protect the quarterback and they can't throw the ball down the field except for uh, back shoulder fades to George Pickens.
3: Yeah, I can't. It's hard to argue, but I can I can definitely hear all your Steeler bias coming through in every bit of your take. <laughs> Nat, what do we got next?
0: <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I hear the bias, too. Hog, <laughs> hog, you're next. We have Jalen Hurts. He became the fourth player in NFL history with 50 pass touchdowns, 25 rush TDs in his first 50 NFL games. Joining Dante Culpepper, Cam Newton, and Josh Allen a oh, runner pass. <laughs> I am going
3: to run with it because the reason why I'm running with this one is the backing into weird stat milestones. Um I am all for it. I would always tell everyone that when I retired I was uh the leading receiver in NFL history for any wide receiver 57 or under. Um and that is a claim to fame I will continue to stick on. I mean, if, even if you think about it, Joe's 10,363 career consecutive snaps that's kind of a milestone that no one knew they needed until they got it, right? So you got to give these people what they don't know that they want. So I am all for it for Jalen Hurts' very specific um, and, and strange and
1: strange stat line, Juju. Yeah, I mean, you said it there. I, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
0: Nat, what we got next? All right, Joe. Last week, the Bills took down the red-hot Miami Dolphins. This week, they lost 25-20 to Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars leaving everyone wondering where exactly they fit as it pertains to the NFL's best teams runner pass.
3: Uh,
2: I'm going to pass on this one.
3: All right. I'm going to take his run. I'm going to take his pass and I'm going to run with it with an extra run. And we got, I think 45 seconds to do so. I think the bills may be frauds. I'm going to be honest with mm-hmm. you. I think Josh Allen is very good, but he is so good at some point it has to turn the corner. You have to win these games. When you look at the best teams in the NFL, they perform at a more consistent clip, and I think this has been the Bills, as good as they are, as much as they can play with the top teams at any given moment, they also have lapses like this where they lose to the Aaron rodgers Jets, or they go out to London and they lose to the Jags, who are a decent team, but they shouldn't be of the caliber of the Bills. So at some point, we have to start holding them to a real standard, the standard that we're holding the 49ers to, the standard that we've hold the Chiefs to, the standard that we even hold uh, the Dolphins to, so... Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, I'm going to need to see more out of you, or otherwise, we got to stop calling you an elite team. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into a Tomahawk draft in honor of an NFL legend. No, not Joe Thomas. All right, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. In honor of Dick Buckus, who passed away, the former Chicago Bears legend, we are going to do a Tomahawk draft where we draft the best NFL names In NFL history, so how this works is we will go through a three round, potentially four, depending on how much time we have left, and then after those rounds, we will put together our list and we put it on social to see who had the best draft. Dick Buckus was an incredible football player, obviously a lot older than my time, so I didn't see him play. My introduction to him was as a basketball coach on a series hang time with Anthony Anderson, and I distinctly remember the moment that I was watching something in sports and saw. Dick Buckus. And I'm like, oh, that's the the dude from the show. And I had no idea that my man even played football. You talk about more than an athlete, Joe. What is going to be your moment when people say, man, I had no idea that that dude played football?
2: Uh, Oh, man, those are great questions. Um, (laughs) I don't think I have anything positive to look forward to in retirement. And uh, so it's unlikely that anybody will ever know me as anything besides like that old washed up dad that's yelling at the sideline, uh, yelling from the sideline at uh, all the kids. Why they are laying on the ground during a flag football match. I completely
3: agree. You are the poster child for less than an athlete. All right, let's get into the draft. Uh, I'm going to give myself the first pick because I have the mic. So with the first pick of the Tomahawk Best Names in NFL History draft, I am on the clock. And my first pick is going to be another Cleveland Browns legend wide receiver Mm -hmm. from 1969 to 1974. Mr. Fair Hooker is who mm, I am damn. going with. with that the was first...
1: my number one draft board. <laughs> no, <laughs> off,
3: off the board, just like that. That's Fair it. Hooker, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Joe, you are up with the second overall pick. And the best, NFL yeah, names with the
2: draft. second overall pick, a guy that I played against a bunch, um, from the Cincinnati Bengals, Frosty Rucker. He always made me so hungry when I would look at his name <laughs> on the scouting report because I was a big fan of frosted flakes growing up, all that sugary goodness that lands in the bottom of your milk once you <laughs> consume the corn flakes. Uh, so I loved him and, uh, going against him was, was nice. And, uh, he was, he was a tough battle of USC guy, nice and strong. Uh, but clearly one of the greatest names of all time in NFL history, because there was not just one E on the end of frosty or a Y it was the double E I mean, he even spelled it the way you should, you know what?
3: That's an incredible pick. He was number two on my big board. Number one, he's, uh, one of my former teammates and he ended up opening a chain of frosty Stores um, across the country. So an aptronym is where your name perfectly describes who you are, what you do for a living, and Frosty Rucker was exactly that. Great pick, mm-hmm. Joe. All right, next up, we got Team Juju slash Nat. Juju, I'm going to give it to you first to make your draft pick and the best NFL names of all time for your squad. Who you got?
1: Bro, we took a big loss when Fair Hooker got went off the board. Big, major <laughs> loss, Fair Hooker. So I'm going to go with... Haha Clinton Dix for mm. 3000 Bob. Oh, good I choice. love
3: it. That's a good that's a damn good choice. One of the the better <laughs> names in the NFL. Haha Clinton Dix. I wonder what goes through someone's mind to name their kid haha. Do we know the history of that? <laughs> let's 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 get our researchers on that to see what's his going father on there. was
1: a joker.
2: His father. Mm, here I don't believe that's the government name. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I think that's probably his nickname he got as a kid.
3: All right, well, we'll see. We'll we'll do some research on it. Should we go snake draft here or should I just go again with the the next one? All right, I'm gonna, we're going to snake draft it. We're going to, you mm-hmm. know, just go into it. So, all right, Nat, you are back up for Team Juju, and Nat, um, who are you picking in the second round of the best names in NFL history draft?
0: I'm going Jim Bob Cooter, and I don't, oh, damn. I don't that think sorry, anything. I I, that, that's it. Enough said. Mic drop.
3: <laughs> yep, that's a that's a good one, Jim Bob Cooter. He was not. Is he still in the league coaching right now? Colts. Oh, case okay, with the Colts, Jim Bob C. All right, that's a good one. All right, Joe, you're
2: up next. Second second round pick. Best NFL names in history draft. My former teammate, Barkevius Mingo, the pride of the LSU Tigers. Uh, not sure exactly what the story is behind the name Barkevius, but I always loved it. He was a great teammate, good dude too. Uh, and the fact that that his last name was Mingo, I just love that last name too. So it was just a perfect combination of two very interesting, unique names.
3: All right. So right now we got team Juju and Nat with Ha ha Clinton Dix and Jim Bob Cooter. Damn good names. Team Joe Thomas is Frosty Rucker and Barkevius Mingo, two of my former teammates, and I, I always stop myself from calling players' names weird just because they're different, but they are absolutely different than what we're used to, to seeing. All right, I'm up. Second round pick, first round pick was Fair Hooker. Um, my next round pick is going to be the law firm, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Um, <laughs> Another teammate of mine, and the reason why I'm going with Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, besides the fact he sounded like a law firm, the other crazy part of Ben Jarvis Green Ellis' story is that he is the son of Slim, who is the brother of Baby, who started Cash Money Records. And so Mm. when we would be at games, Slim would fly there, he would be in like a Rolls Royce and Ben Jarvis would be like, yo, so I would just be hanging out in this Rolls Royce limousine, uh, just hanging out with Cash Money, and they'd be like, yo, you need tickets to, to shows or whatever. It was just a completely opposite experience that you would expect from someone named Ben Jarvis Green Ellis.
1: Damn. That's fire. Ain't it? Salute to Cash Money. Salute to and baby. <laughs> we see y'all. We know y'all watch the show.
3: Exactly. All right. And the reason why I was comfortable going with Ben Jarvis Green Ellis because I know we're going snake draft, and I'm up again. And my next pick is a kicker in the nfl 1971 to 1973 his name is happy feller so <laughs> real life name real life yeah. player and i'm liking how my team's shaping up right now joe all right you're up third round. solid yeah it's damn good
2: damn good picks right now all right what you got joe so if i ever want to know if there's a good name out there i always ask my kids and just wait for their response dick butkus they have no idea who that is, but, of course, they always <laughs> laugh, right? Uh, what a great name. And this one is along that same line, John David Booty. When I told that <laughs> to my kids, they, they laughed. And so I immediately knew that that had to be one of my players that I captured for the all-time, all-name NFL draft. <sighs> That's a good one.
1: Just sit my war room in the shambles. <laughs> All right.
3: All right. John David Booty comes off the board. Shocked he didn't go earlier in earlier rounds. Next up, we got Juju and Nat back up. Juju, it's on you. Who you got for the best NFL names?
1: He just rocked my world. He, he did. <laughs> John David Booty. I was ready for the big booty.
0: OK, so I have a good one. I don't even know. I just discovered this name, but I can't Ooh. get over it. Buzz Nutter.
2: <laughs> Wait, that's not a real human. No this, this should have been the draft of like, is it or Boom. is it not a real name? And so we had to guess. I mean, I this is from
0: like 1958, but hey, Buzz Nutter, that's like 10 out of 10 names.
3: What position did Buzz Nutter play? Can we get some, some information? He was a
0: center. He was a center.
3: He was a center. He would be an offensive lineman named Buzz Nutter. He probably had a side job as a plumber. Uh he <laughs> probably. probably smoked cigarettes at halftime and he was probably 42 years old as a rookie because somebody convinced him in the summertime that if he wanted to play a little ball, he'd make 600 bucks a season. <laughs> he had a spot for right. him. So, all right, shout out, shout out the Buzznutter. All right, well, your guys are back on the board for round four, a final round of our best names in NFL history draft. Juju, you're up.
1: It's his brother. It's a brother from the Baltimore Ravens organization. His name was Rock... Yassin, you feel me? Rock Yassin, we salute to you, but that's a crazy way to name your child, Rock Yassin. <laughs> so
3: Rock Yassin comes <laughs> off the board. You probably could have got him in free agency, I'm be honest with you, Juju, but we'll allow it.
1: He <laughs> sent me in shambles when he took booty out the board. <laughs> you did, I had you scrambled, bro. on booty.
3: You scrambled. This is a very immature segment. Uh, Joe, <laughs> you're up next. Uh, last pick of the best NFL names in history draft. Who do you got?
2: Yeah, a lot of good ones left, but uh, I had to go with one that left me feeling tough as I walk off the draft stage. Death Holiday is an actual NFL player's name. Uh, You got to ask the question, how did he get the nickname Death? Because I don't think his mom (laughs) named him Death from birth. There is no
3: way that they are putting on a roster someone named Death Holiday. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder what, what would today's NFL do if they had a player who was one of the faces of their league called Death Holiday? Would they actually call him that, or you think they would convince him to go by something else? Go by Halloween. Jeff Hol- Death <laughs> Halloween? That sounds like it's even worse. All right, now I'm up. Last pick of the best names in NFL history draft. This is our version of Mr. Irrelevant. Um, this is a tough one. This is a controversial one probably not that crazy of a name because it's so recent. But if you really dissect it, it is a little nuts. Uh, I'm going back into the offensive line bag, and I'm going with Richard Incognito. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why I'm going with Rich Incognito is because – do we know the nickname for Richard, Joe? Uh, Dick. Yes, and um, that is also an acronym for Richie Incognito. Um, But Incognito didn't fit him very well because he did not fly under the radar at all. So my fourth pick, I'm going with Richie Incognito. Um, All right. So now we do a little bit of a a, a kind of a retro here. Joe, how do you feel about your draft board right now?
2: I feel great. There's nobody that I missed on. And I think they're all really first round grades when I look back and uh, reevaluate, redraft.
3: All right. So you think you drafted the best because I think I'm going to win. Yeah. I well, think
1: Nat Nat drafted the best. She got me on her team, and I blew it. I'm so no,
3: sorry. No, no, we
0: <laughs> we made a good team, so I think we made up for uh, you know the, the lacking on the other side. All
3: right, we're gonna put this on social media. We're gonna get the feedback from uh, the fans. Um, I also had Captain Muddling on 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 my draft board. He didn't make it. I, I pushed him out for for Richie Incognito. Team Juju and Nat is Ha Ha Clinton Dix, Jim Bob Cooter, Buzz Nutter, and Rocky Sin. I'm not gonna lie. Nat brought her a game. Joe I Thomas's did, team it. is Frosty Rucker, Barcavius Mingo, John David Booty, and Death Holiday, very very solid. I got to give him that. And then my team is Fair Hooker, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, Richie Incognito, and Happy Feller. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk uh more Tomah headlines in our extra point segment.
2: Yes, y'all.
3: We All right, let's get into some extra points. Uh Joe, I want to start with a kind of a de- a highly debated topic from a week ago. Rodney Harrison, former NFL safety, New England Patriots Super Bowl champion who is a host on Sunday Night Football, they do the post game with coach Tony Dungy. He had Chris Jones on after the Jets played the Chiefs and people were upset with his line of questioning cuz he was trying to kind of bait Chris Jones into saying how bad that they thought Zach Wilson was. And he said, if he watched him on film, he'd be like, you got to be thinking this guy is garbage. And that sent everybody into a firestorm. And so I'm going to ask you as a former player, um, what were your initial reactions to how Rodney Harrison
2: chose his words, but also the uproar that happened afterwards? Yeah. It pissed me off because being in the media world, I understand that it's important. We have to be critical of the players that, are on the field and to be honest with what our eyes are telling us about these guys but i think it's important to not let it get personal Mm -hmm. where you're now attacking the person instead of the performance of what they're doing on the field and it just felt so personal for rodney harrison to call another man garbage yeah and it seems so unnecessary like you can talk about his performance as a quarterback and as you're talking to Chris Jones from the Chiefs you can tee him up and try to get what you want out of him to say that you know they maybe didn't have the respect for Zach Wilson Mm. that they would have had there been a different quarterback out there but to just go like such a low blow at a player who's already struggling it feels personal and I think it also brings you down as a media host to a level that is below where you should be and below where that seat should have uh and you become basically like an internet chat room hater and Mm -hmm. i don't think that's a good look for anybody that's trying to be in the media world um and rodney harrison's super talented like the guy has been Mm -hmm. on nbc for a long time he does a great job he provides provocative insight a lot of times But to take a shot at a player like that just felt like it was way too personal. And I hate seeing other people in the media take that line against Mm. players that are on the field. You can criticize their performance all day, but don't make it personal.
3: But my question is this, and maybe this is me playing a little bit of devil's advocate, because I agree with everything you said. And that didn't shock me. I had the same exact feeling. What shocked me was the response of everybody to it, because The reason why I didn't appreciate it, um, and I won't even say appreciate it. I just say I didn't agree with it because I don't think Zach Wilson has been playing as quote-unquote garbage or bad as he let (laughs) on, right? And so that's number one. And then number two, as he said it, in my mind, what came was like, oh, this is the same sentiment that everybody has been saying. So I was shocked by the uproar because literally you might not use the language, he plays garbage, but when you come on TV and you say he shouldn't be in the NFL – The Jets have no chance to win. He shouldn't be a starter. He shouldn't even be on the roster. Get him out of here. What do you think? That's the same exact thing. Those are synonyms. So, yes, as a player, if he maybe got a little too comfortable and started talking the way that we talk when we talk about players who we don't think are good, but I didn't feel like it was as much of a personal attack on Zach Wilson. He was talking about his play. He wasn't saying he was a garbage person. But if that's his opinion of a quarterback – I don't think it was that different than what everybody else had been saying about Zach Wilson to that point. I still think that was wrong because I don't think he was playing
2: as bad as people were letting on. Who do you want to rebuttal that? You.
1: <laughs> so, double butto.
2: Hawk. Double when he called the man garbage, you thought that that was a reasonable criticism of the performance that Zach Wilson has put on film and a reasonable description for the seat that Rodney Harrison is sitting in, which is the number one show in the country every single year, Sunday Night Football. It gets the most eyeballs outside of the playoffs in the Super Bowl. And he's sitting in that, in that seat, presumably trying to act professional and act in a way that gives him enough credibility to the audience. And he starts talking like he's in the locker room. And I get it. He didn't say like, I hate him and his girlfriend and his you know, family's <laughs> ugly or something like that, but he called him garbage. Like, that's not saying he didn't play well or he was not providing much resistance on film or he didn't know where to throw the football. Like, he called him garbage, which to me seems very personal and it seems below the seat that Rodney Harrison was sitting in on Sunday Night Football providing analysis uh, as a member of the media.
3: I, I I feel you. And if I am an executive at NBC, I am sitting him down, I am sending a strongly worded email, we are having a meeting, and I'm saying this is why you can't do that. Even if you think that you are using the language that a player uses to coerce somebody into something, you cannot do it. And even beyond that, my problem with it was that Zach Wilson played really good that game. So not only do I not think he played that, do I not think he played garbage coming in? I think, his blame was way overstated. You don't make that uh, assertion after he's just played literally the game of his career. That's where it felt personal is the timing of it. My thing, Joe, is that I was surprised that everybody was so up in arms about it because have we not been listening to what everybody else has been saying about the dude? Now I get the word garbage is, you know, in, in those circles and it seems harder than what it is, but Joe, that's what we call players when we don't think they're very good. Is it truly yeah. mean they're garbage or they're not talented? No. Does it truly mean they're trash? Absolutely not. But he, I felt like he was talking in the words of trying to put himself in the players, you know, lingo of like, again, trying to relate to a guy. You know how we have these interviews and the player comes on and we try to put ourselves back into the locker room, talk to get them comfortable into speaking a certain way. I think he was wrong for it. I think his assessment of it was wrong. I think his timing was wrong. I would never use it, but I was more shocked at the uproar afterwards.
2: Two things. Uh, one, Chris Jones was trying to basically give credit to Zach Wilson during that interview. If you watched the whole thing, mm-hmm. he was saying, "No, like we we had a lot of respect for him and come in." And so, the fact that Rodney Harrison didn't get what he wanted from Chris Jones initially. Is fine. Like sometimes that happens in the media. Like he's a professional. Chris Jones is not going to just go and slam his opponent. But if you're going to come back at him, you need to come from a different perspective to be able to maybe try to get a different idea out of Chris Jones and maybe allow him to admit, like, you know what? We felt like there were some things we could take advantage of. And maybe that's what you get. And that's the sound bite you were looking for. But he came back with, like, no, he's garbage. I know you think he's garbage. Instead of allowing Chris to, enunciate what he feels about Zach Wilson and what he felt about the situation like he was throwing his own opinion onto Chris Jones and trying to claim that that was Chris Jones's opinion yeah so I didn't like that part of it bad journalism Um, but I also didn't like the fact that When you have that platform of Sunday night football and you're there in post game, like there's certain things you can and can't say there's certain words you can and can't say you obviously can't swear. You can't use extremely derogatory terms. And I think when you're calling a player garbage in that setting, it's different than being on a podcast Mm -hmm. or it's different than being on a local radio show and saying somebody's garbage. Like there's a professionalism that I think you need to conduct yourself with when you're conducting a post game interview that's being watched by probably the majority of people that watch the game that are still tuned in um and you're sitting in that seat you need to conduct yourself and use words that are more respectful of the game of football and of all the people that just went out there and risked life and limb going out and trying to play a game of football to entertain all of us peasants at home, I love it.
3: Tell and them, Joe. That was you. Were, you, were, you were preaching right there, Joe. I got to. I got to give you some love on that one. You, you definitely set me in my place, Juju. I, I know you agree that you know there's never any room for disrespect. As a matter of fact, Juju, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you think that on a football field, people should keep their hands to themselves. Am I right?
1: <laughs> I ain't gonna go that far i'm (laughs) gonna just say like joe echo his sentiment man respect the platform brother like it's a difference between where you at and where pat mcafee them at and where the Mm -hmm. different platforms we have for each other so respect your platform respect your audience and use your words carefully that's all that's all it is joe man that's the man right there joe Ah, you got it going on on, brother
3: you know what i got juju i don't come here for this crap all right speaking of respecting (laughs) your audience Bill Belichick's Patriots are 1-4. and Mac Jones has been benched in back-to-back weeks, and it really feels like they don't know which way is up. So, Joe, I'm going to ask you, is this Bill Belichick uh, being as clever as we remember him being and putting his team in position to get Caleb Williams so he can restart his dynasty? Or is it time for Bill Belichick to hang up? the cleats past the sticks, whatever you know metaphor you want to use. Is it is his time past him, Joe?
2: Yeah, Bill Belichick always is doing whatever he can to gain any advantage, and I would never put it above him to tank or below him to tank, <laughs> however you want to look at it, because he's willing to do anything it takes to win, like going back to Spygate and all the different scandals that they've been involved in since he's been in the NFL, but Bill Belichick's 71 years old i really don't know how much longer he wants to coach football it doesn't seem like he's having a lot of fun out there right now not that he ever really i was showed gonna say when did he joy like on the he sidelines <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but i can imagine in private moments like when tom brady was your quarterback and you put, put together a good game plan, and then all of a sudden you have this superhuman that goes out and executes it perfectly every single week. Like that was probably a lot of fun, and that became the expectation. And all of a sudden now you got Mac Jones, who's a smart quarterback, but clearly doesn't have Tom Brady skill sets. Like you feel like you're putting him in position to succeed, and now you're one and four, and you stink. So I imagine he's probably not having a lot of fun, and I wonder what he's thinking about. Should he be doing in you know the last few decades of his his life not saying that he's not going to make it beyond 90 because he's 71 years old right now but the guy actually has a lot of interest uh outside of football he's a humongous sports fan including the game of lacrosse he's a big like military history buff he loves boating and fishing so I, i just feel like he's probably not tanking for caleb williams right now because he's he's gonna be 72 when caleb will be a rookie and you have to assume that once you get a rookie there's still gonna be a learning curve as good as caleb williams is so maybe when you're 75, he's ready to roll. And at that point, I don't know. I, I feel like Bill Belichick is going to shock all of us, and he's going to walk away when all of us least expect it. And, it, well, maybe now we expect it. I was going to say. Think I, year, <laughs> I was going to say, maybe he'll just do it like middle of the season and be like, nope, I'm going. You'll never see me again. I'm going to go be a lacrosse coach somewhere at like some D3 school. Yeah, see, that, that's my thing is like
3: to your point about least expected, I feel like we all expect it now because your head coach <laughs> – Or your GM, which he kind of wears both hats, is supposed to put your team in a position to win a Super Bowl. And the question becomes, is he the best option for the New England Patriots to win a Super Bowl based on what we've seen of the New England Patriots post a Tom Brady era? And that's the biggest question. It may be time for him to hang his hoodie up in the rafters because they cannot figure it out offensively. And the defense is playing well. um, And they may even show some signs of life in the run game. But quite frankly, Mac Jones... Hasn't been playing the way that you would need for a quarterback for them to actually make noise. And some people point to it's the coaching. Some people point to it's his ability. But regardless, he's the one who scouts the quarterbacks, and he's also the one who plays and coaches them. So at that point, it kind of feels like, hey, yeah, yeah, it might be, it might be time to you know set set the sun on 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 double
2: B's career here. Yeah, before Juju calls Mac Jones garbage, I needed to throw this in there <laughs> and let him know that. <laughs> Bill Belichick has done a very poor job putting together this roster in the last several years. I mean, he was never great at drafting and evaluating talent, but he found talent that fit with what they needed, mm-hmm. which he got the guys that were sort of undervalued, like hard workers, smart guys. But the fact that he didn't have an offensive coordinator last year for Mac Jones, and he just basically plucked a special teams coach and a defensive coordinator and put him over on offense and said, no, they'll figure it out. Just to me, seems that the game has passed him by a little bit and that so many years with Tom Brady and always winning no matter what you did I think it gave him this perspective on Uh, Maybe the NFL is a little bit easier. Maybe I have figured it out. And as good as he has always been not allowing other guys to start smelling themselves and keeping everybody humble, I think there had to be a little bit of that that was creeping Mm. into his mind. Like he knew everything that there was to know about coaching. And as long as he was teaching those guys that were going to be the offensive coordinators, uh what to do they were going to be fine coaching up mac jones and it proved to be a big no-no and he regressed mac jones is the he uh he regressed in the season with those two guys who are not offensive minds as his offensive coordinator and he has not been able to pull himself out of that slump that I think was really self-inflicted by who Belichick put in charge of the offense last season. Well, humble
3: pie will put anything in perspective. And it sounds like he has been listening to the humblest co-host of all time <laughs> here on the Tomahawk show that does it for this episode of Tomahawk. We appreciate you guys joining us again. Shout out to my dog, Joe Thomas, shout out to Juju Gotti and shout out to fat Nat until next time, Joe, take us out. Joe
2: Hawk yourself.